0: Welcome to this week's episode of Blood Podcast, your source for innovative ideas and cutting-edge information. Our topics are based on articles published in Blood, a journal of the American Society of Hematology. Today, we'll discuss a unique treatment for refractory hematologic malignancies, therapy-induced mutations impacting the genomic landscape of relapsed acute lymphoblastic leukemia, and a unique approach to avoiding chronic graft-versus-host disease. Patients with refractory hematologic malignancies have a very high mortality rate and are desperately in need of new and effective treatments the development of CAR T-cell therapy directed against CD19 for patients with relapsed or refractory B-cell malignancies has been associated with remarkable responses to many of these patients. However, a significant fraction of responding patients later relapsed with CD19 negative disease, a phenomenon called antigen escape. In the article recently published in Blood, efficacy and safety of CAR-19 and 22 T-cell cocktail therapy in patients with refractory or relapsed B-cell malignancies, Wang et al. reported that relapse associated with CD19-negative acute lymphoblastic leukemia can be avoided by prescribing a cocktail of both CAR-T19 and CAR-T22 cells. As described by Wang and colleagues, in 2011, the University of Pennsylvania successfully treated a patient with CAR T cells, or chimeric antigen receptor T cells targeting the B cell surface antigen CD19, resulting in very impressive anti leukemic potency and specificity. These results have been confirmed in multiple series of patients with relapsed or refractory acute lymphoblastic leukemia, in whom CAR T19 cells achieved remission rates greater than 80%, and a one-year disease-free survival ranging from 35 to 50%. In most patients, these results can be achieved with a single infusion of autologous CAR T19 cells. However, relapse continues to threaten the success of CAR T19 cell therapy. 30 to 60% of patients relapse after obtaining a complete remission. Early loss of CAR T19 cells is associated with CD19 positive relapses. However, even patients with strong and persistent numbers of CAR T19 cells may relapse due to mutations or other changes that result in loss of CD19 antigen expression in the target leukemia cells. Importantly, Another B-cell antigen, CD22, tends to remain expressed in those patients who lose expression of CD19. In hopes of reducing the likelihood of relapse due to loss of CD19 expression, Wang et al. performed a pilot series of 89 patients with either relapsed or refractory acute lymphoblastic leukemia or non-Hodgkin's lymphoma who were sequentially treated with a cocktail of two CAR T cells, CAR T19 followed by CAR T22 cells that recognize CD22. The complete response rate in both malignancies was extremely high, and with a follow-up of more than 15 months, virtually no CD19 negative relapses have been observed. Although this success is remarkable, a significant number of patients still relapsed with tumor cells that still expressed CD19 and CD22 antigens. Thus, while CAR T-cells targeting both antigens successfully avoided the antigen escape of CD19-negative blasts, CAR T-cell persistence or functionality needs to be further improved to avoid CD19-positive and CD22-positive relapses. As we move forward, well-designed clinical trials are suggested if we are to positively impact the success rate of this high-risk patient population. Since the development of effective chemotherapy in the 1960s, the treatment for childhood acute lymphoblastic leukemia has progressively improved. By implementing contemporary treatment protocols that use minimal residual disease measurements to guide treatment intensity, we can now expect a survival rate well above 90 percent. However, Relapse of the disease continues to challenge us, and more research into the biology of relapse, as well as the molecular mechanisms that drive therapy resistance, is necessary if we expect to better understand the disease. In a recent article entitled Therapy Induced Mutations Drive the Genomic Landscape of Relapsed Acute Lymphoblastic Leukemia, lead author Dr. Ben Shang Li shares an extensive, in depth genetic characterization of serial diagnostic and relapse samples from a cohort of 103 pediatric acute lymphoblastic leukemia patients treated at the Shanghai Children's Medical Center. By means of whole genome sequencing, Li et al. made several discoveries. They identified a set of 12 mutations that were significantly enriched or exclusively present at relapse in this large and uniformly treated cohort of pediatric acute lymphoblastic leukemia. These 12 mutated genes are known to be involved in drug response and included mutations in genes involved in glucocorticoid function, purine and folate metabolism, mismatch repair, and the p53 pathway. Fifty-eight of the 103 patients harbored a mutation in at least one of these 12 drug response genes. While mutations in some of these genes were present in a minor clone at diagnosis, many others were acquired only during therapy. For example, they found that mutations or focal deletions in the folate metabolism gene FPGS are associated with increased resistance toward methotrexate, a core component of acute lymphoblastic leukemia consolidation therapy. Interestingly, relapses that occurred very early, less than nine months after diagnosis, acquired fewer of the relapse-specific mutations mentioned above, suggesting that the relapse probably originated from a resistant clone that already existed at diagnosis. What you may find interesting is that, according to Lee and colleagues, very early relapses mainly occurred in acute lymphoblastic leukemia cases harboring mixed-lineage leukemia, or BCR-ABL rearrangements, aberrations notoriously associated with poor response to chemotherapy. Lee and colleagues also showed that, in contrast to very early relapses, acquisition of one of the 12 relapse-specific mutations were significantly enriched in cases arising later than nine months after diagnosis, which suggests that acute lymphoblastic leukemia disease progression can be directly affected by chemotherapy-induced mutations. Most often, a small fraction of mutations occurring in cancer are considered as drivers and actionable therapeutic targets. However, we can gain insight into the mutational processes that shape cancer genomes by identifying the complete genetic landscape through whole genome sequencing approaches. The study by Lee et al. provides insight into relapse-specific mutations and mutational signatures, as well as an explanation for a subset of acute lymphoblastic leukemia relapses. This research may pave the way to the identification of biomarkers that could identify therapy resistance. In addition, Dr. Lee's team suggests that more than 50% of relapse acute lymphoblastic leukemia samples harbor at least one mutation, which could impact therapy response. Therefore, each patient's mutational resistance profile should be considered when determining his or her treatment schedule at relapse. It is also important to note that the genetic aberrations found in a subset of relapse acute lymphoblastic leukemia samples suggest that the tumor cells may not be the only possible cause of resistance. This leads us to believe that non-genetic factors could potentially mediate certain aspects of therapy resistance. Therefore both genetic and non-genetic mechanisms of therapy resistance should eventually be taken into account to clinically manage acute lymphoblastic leukemia relapse. With further research into the biology of relapse, as well as the molecular mechanisms that drive therapy resistance, we could positively impact the survival rate of relapsed acute lymphoblastic leukemia patients. Allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplantation, a procedure in which a genetically similar donor provides blood-forming stem cells to a patient, is a treatment option for many hematological malignancies and inherited disorders. The expansion of donor stem cell sources and the upper age limit for allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplantation has significantly increased the number of allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplants performed each year Graft versus Host disease, or GVHD, is a medical complication following the receipt of transplanted tissue from a genetically different person due to donor T-cell immune responses against recipient histocompatibility antigens. Unfortunately, this disease poses a significant challenge to the success of allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplants. Immunosuppressive drug therapy is used to reduce the incidence and severity of GVHD in patients receiving allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplants. This may impair the desired anti-tumor effects while rendering patients more susceptible to infections. Therefore, more selective therapies to control graft-versus-host disease while retaining advantageous immune responses is highly desirable. Fortunately, for patients with graft-versus-host disease, in a multi-institutional study, Thangavelu et al. reports on an exciting new approach to inhibit a lipid kinase that is required for T-cell activation called inositol-145-trisphosphate-3-kinase B, or ITPKB. ITPKB acts as a negative regulator of T-cell activation by converting IP3 to inositol-1345, tetrakisphosphate IP4, to shut off the calcium signaling required for T-cell activation. In mice, ITPKB genetic deletion is known to lead to severe peripheral T cell deficiency due to impaired thymic T cell development at the immature CD4 positive CD8 positive stage. ITPKB deletion also impairs B cell development, alters B cell phenotype, and fosters tolerant B cell generation. In activated mature T cells, ITPKB deletion prevents T-cell-driven, antibody-mediated autoimmunity in mouse models. In this study, the investigators employed genetic and pharmacological approaches to inhibit ITPKB signaling as a means of controlling graft-versus-host disease in a murine model. Genetic deletion of ITPKB in murine T cells resulted in attenuated, but not absent, acute GVHD in two different models, while the graft-versus-leukemia immune response was maintained. The authors also examined the potential of this approach in murine models of chronic graft-versus-host disease, which is pathologically and mechanistically distinct from acute graft-versus-host disease. The beneficial effect of ITPKB inhibition was examined in two pathologically distinct chronic graft-versus-host disease models while using a small molecule inhibitor of IPTKB called GNF362. In these GVHC models, mice develop either severe chronic lung disease or chronic skin disease. GNF362 treatment reduced active chronic GVHD in both the lung disease and skin disease models. Thus, intact ITPKB signaling is required to drive acute GVHD pathogenesis and sustain active chronic GVHD, pointing toward a novel clinical application to prevent acute or treat chronic GVHD. As all hematologists know, many exciting approaches developed and tested in mice do not succeed in man. You may ask, why is this study different? The promising aspect of this study is the thoroughness of the testing. The authors used multiple models of acute GVHD, multiple tumor models, and multiple chronic GVHD models. The models were probed with genetic and pharmacologic approaches to inhibit ITPKB signaling. It will be fascinating to see if this approach finally switches allo-HSCT immunosuppression from the sledgehammer approach to a more selective tuning of the immune system. For a list of additional authors, as well as more detailed articles on which this podcast is based, please go to www.bloodjournal.org. Be sure to join us next week for another episode of Blood Podcast. Thank you for listening. The Blood Podcast series is made possible in part by support from Servier Pharmaceuticals.